your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Avalanche fans, welcome to the Locked On Avalanche podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. And today we have a little bit of a special episode. A couple months ago, I had a guest on, Hari Nair, and we kind of had a good discussion about race issues regarding hockey. Uh, this was, you know, kind of at the beginning of the bubble when you know, things things were happening across the country, and they still are. And he actually, you know, we 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 talk every once in a while, and. He said, you know, he had taken a break from following the abs and and just social media in general. So he's like, hey, if you want to do another show, let's do it. Because we had said at the end of that show, this is something that needs to be a continuing conversation. So I was like, yeah, like, let's do it. Every few months, let's jump back on and kind of revisit these things. And then wouldn't you know it, the Arizona Coyotes story broke. So it's kind of perfect timing for him to come back on. But uh, we're going to talk to him and and among other things too. We're not just going to harp on that one story, but there's other things going on, uh, even including the avalanche with Ryan Clark, who is the, the writer for the athletic leaving to go back to Seattle. And he has seen some not so nice comments from some message boards that he visit that he visits that I don't and wasn't even aware of. So a pretty good angle from that aspect when it comes to a person of color who writes for the avalanche that no longer will. So uh, stay tuned for that. And first things first, we are going to get out the social media aspects where you can follow the show, LOPN underscore avalanche, follow on Instagram, search for lockdown avalanche and send any questions, comments, concerns, or opinions to lockdown avalanche at gmail.com. I have to push the Miko Rantanen poll back again. I didn't want to do that, but when this came up, uh, I'm sure this conversation will go longer. There probably won't be time to do the Miko Rantanen poll for his season grade. So we'll do that tomorrow, promise. And you can the voting on that is closed, and I won't open up the next one until we get through the Miko Rantanen one. But when we do, and there's only a couple left, you can do that on the Twitter page, like I said, LOPN underscore abs. So before we get to Hari, kind of big news coming from the the Avalanche camp, and that is the signing of Devin Taves. And Joe Sackick has worked his magic yet again. And, I mean, arbitration was three days away. I, I believe his case was going to be heard that day. I don't know. I mean, they... they some of them could go the following day or a couple days later, but most of them were going to be heard on the 30th. Again, I don't know the exact date for Taves specifically, but it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, there was always that outside chance that Joe Sackick would get this deal done, and he did that with all of his restricted free agents that were up for arbitration. I, I don't believe that... Well, the I think Kyle Burrows is up for arbitration and that's the other guy they got in the deal 
So he might be the only one, but there's still a couple days left. And that really shouldn't be too difficult of a deal to get done. But the Taves one is the big one. And Joe Sackick worked his magic again. I'm a little surprised at the term on this one. Um, Four years for him. An average annual value of 4.41. And when you look, or no, 4.1, I'm sorry, 4.1. And when you look at those numbers across the four years, he goes from like two and a half in the first year to over five in the fourth year. So he goes up substantially each year. But it averages out to 4.1. And the Avs, I believe, I don't have cat friendly in front of me, but I think they're just under $2 million now. And they're they're set. They, they'll probably get the Burroughs deal done. And we have our Colorado Avalanche. So I think it's just an amazing thing that Joe Sackick, I don't, I mean, I would love to just be a fly on the wall to hear these conversations. And, and how he comes across as, let's just get a deal done. You know, we can avoid arbitration. Let's get a deal done. And, and how far apart are the parties really in the beginning if they're getting deals done? Is it some of these guys are starstruck because it's Joe Sackick and they don't want to say no to Joe Sackick? Or they don't want to, you know, deal with him too heavily? I can't imagine that's it. I mean, maybe, or do they just want to play for Joe Sackick? It kind of, you know, with not so much now because they're struggling, but, you know, John Elway was the main reason Peyton Manning wanted to come to Denver. And that that was a selling point for those few seasons. It's a little bit of struggle now. But is Joe Sackick sitting in the, the driver's seat that John Elway was sitting in a few years ago? Is it just players know that this is a team that can compete for a cup? So get a deal done, you know, the, the, the maybe, and, and I think that's about where Taves was going to line up was in the 4 million, uh, AAV anyway. And are some players actually doing what Taylor Hall said he wanted to do and, and sign with a winner and could Taves have gotten maybe an extra million I don't, that might be a strat. I don't know if he's a $5 million a year player, but could he gotten an extra half a million? Maybe. And is, to him, is it worth it? I think a cup is worth it to him or the chance to play for a cup is worth it to him. So I, the bottom line here is, is Joe Sackick just knows how to talk to these guys and knows how to get a deal done and avoid arbitration. And it's just a, it's, it's an amazing thing to watch. You thought Ryan Graves was the only one that, <clears throat> said he was going to go to arbitration. All the other restricteds with, with arbitration rights, Burkowski, uh, uh, Nachuskin was another one. They never really said, I'm going to arbitration. I think they maybe felt we can get a deal done. Graves said it. Graves said, I, I'm going to go to arbitration. And then Joe Sackick stepped in and said, we can figure something out. And they did. It just has it just gives you a comfortable feeling knowing that you have a guy in charge that wants to do what's best for this team and put the best possible team on the ice. And he's absolutely done it in this offseason. You can't say anything other than that. So let me know what you think. You happy with the deal? I think most people are. Um, but let me know. Locked on avalanche at gmail.com. 
All right. So before we get to Hari and talk about a plethora of things, let's hear from our sponsor today, which is Built Bar. You know it. You love it. Amazing, great flavors. Very healthy for you. The best tasting protein and energy bar on the market and perhaps ever. They are insanely great tasting. They taste more like a candy bar than anything else. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. They are great for the health conscious guy or girl. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. Most bars contain 19 grams of protein, either 180 or 130 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. That pretty much equals up to it's good for you. Some of the flavors, caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, apple almond crisp, banana bread, peanut butter brownie, mint brownie. I've been talking about Built Bar for quite a while now. So if you haven't tried it, get on it. And go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on, you get 20% off of your next order. The promo code is locked on, 20% comes off of your order whenever you order, not just the first order anymore. Whenever you order at builtbar.com and enter that promo code locked on, 20% comes off of your order. Go check them out right now. Amazing bars, great flavors, great for you. It's builtbar.com. We are going to jump on the line with Hari right now and uh yeah talk about kind of the state of a couple things going on in the nhl with obviously the arizona coyotes and the colorado avalanche specifically things that are going on with them so let's get harry in here okay welcome back to the show and like i said in the beginning segment we have harry nair coming back to the show and we had said well first of all how you doing today sir you doing well today uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. Uh, you know, yeah, so mess, but yeah, it's, it's all things considered. It's good. And we had said when you came on last time that you know we wanted to do this every few few months just to keep the conversation going because what we were talking about the first time you came on is obviously important stuff, never right. goes away. And you had sent me an email. Uh, it was almost like you knew something was hap- going to happen because you <laughs> sent me an email saying, hey, like I took a break from I think you said you just took a break from I don't know if it was it the avalanche. You just took a break from. Yeah, it was after the uh, after the FA lost, it was, I had to uh, I did not think about hockey for a while, <laughs> which is fine. Think- yeah. So you, you, you said, yeah, I'm just taking a break. And then. I think that day, the the Mitchell Miller with the Arizona Coyotes story broke. Yeah, it was either that day or the next day. Or something. It was quick, and I was like, well, he has some, you know, he has some psychic ability or something. Like <laughs> right. So um, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into a couple different topics and then just avalanche stuff in general. So why don't we start there? Cause that seems to be the hot topic right now. And, you know, right. just for people who maybe don't know um, Mitchell Miller drafted by the Arizona coyotes in the fourth round. And then it came out that he, you know, he's 18 years old right now came out when he was 14 years old. He admitted to bullying with a, with another classmate uh, a classmate 
who who is a person of color and not only that but it is is developmentally disabled and even though the kid was 14 years old had the mental capacity of someone who was 10 years old and i don't want to go into exactly what they did to him because it's pretty disgusting um if you want to go read it go you mean it's all over the internet you know you can easily go find it uh but now they're they're getting and rightfully so a lot of flack for for selecting him because they knew mitchell miller sent out a letter to every single nhl team saying uh you know this is something i did uh he's saying at the time he regrets it you know like well right now he's saying i I regret it um but i don't think there was much regret up until right now at least from what i've read it doesn't seem that way well, so, yeah, he never apologized to the kid or his family. He sent a, a letter of apology to all the teams that could draft him. Uh, mm-hmm. but that's called disingenuous. I mean, obviously, the person who needs to hear the apology, the person who needs to, you know, who he needs to reconcile with is the person who he was abusing, and that hasn't happened yet. Well, didn't he write a letter then when it when he got in trouble for it and they got like like community service uh didn't or because i remember the mother saying in the story how the other kid just completely broke down crying was insanely remorseful and then uh mitchell miller kind of just i think he just read something didn't show any emotion didn't really apologize for it um and now he gets to have a shot you know four years later to play in the nhl so what was your player thing well, I mean, overall, what it signals to me is that there's obviously, you know, despite uh, what was going on this summer with um, the NHL making their, you know, their statements about ending racism and um, the players uh, halting play in the bubble for a couple of days, clearly uh, a lot of the message hasn't gone through. They're not really taking this seriously enough in it it's a signal that a lot of that stuff that we saw this summer was performative and they're not taking it seriously. Mm -hmm. Well, and not only that, like they, the, the Arizona coyotes general manager, I believe was appointed to the head of like a new group that was formed within the NHL. I don't know if it was, was it the general manager or like just some executive, like a high level executive? I'm not sure if it was. Yeah, I could be wrong on if it was a general manager, but it it was, it was like you said, it was somebody high level and he, his, he is the one who's in charge of this. And it was a group of people to, uh, you know, tackle all the issues that everybody is talking about around the league and around the world right now with social issues, racial issues, and he's the one heading this. And then he, he goes and does this. And then their reasoning for it. You, I'm sure you've heard of their reasoning for why they took him. Did you, did you hear that? Um, yeah, I read a bit about it. Um, I mean, it, like from what I remember, they just said that they felt that he's moved on or he's matured. Well, that. And that they want to be the ones to help him through this, this stuff. Oh, they feel I, like, I, yeah, they, they feel like they are in a position to be able to help him through it. And I'm like, wow, that is really tone deaf. Yeah. Right. Mm. 
like you know and um i think akimalu made a, a good point that i agree with if this had been a person of color say if it had been a person of color uh, a black kid who had been um abusing a, a mentally disabled white kid um oh. this probably would not be the case you, <laughs> They would be holding it against him. Um, there's been plenty of cases of black kids in hockey. There was a, a black kid who was caught uh, smoking pot with his OHL team, and he got kicked off the team. Um, that sort of thing. So they don't yeah. have this kind of grace for other people. And you know, I mean, and it's also just a sign that they're not t- they're not really grasping how serious what this kid did was. I mean. They seem to think that it's a that maybe it was a phase or something that he'll grow out of. But mm, yeah, um, yeah, this thing is is serious. I mean, I, like if it was a, I know I do believe that people can be redeemed, but they have to earn their redemption. Sure, sure. And you know, if it had been like a kid who was um, torturing and killing animals at the age of fourteen, right. I don't think they would be taking it that lightly right yeah i mean it's just i mean it's bad enough if what they were you know what they were doing to this kid uh and and he was of the mental capacity of someone the same age as them i mean if this this kid had a fighting chance to fight back uh you know then it's it's still a horrible story but he has no shot like he's he's 14 years old the mental capacity of someone 10 years old and this kid said, I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm yeah, it's, it's, it's a heartbreaking story, you know, and I, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's definitely a sign that there's a long way to go. Right. So, I mean, I don't think there's ever going to be a fourth round pick that is going to be as watched as closely as uh, Mitchell Miller is because there's already people calling for him to, for the Arizona uh, Coyotes to cut ties with him now and all signs yeah. are pointing to them not doing that. So we and even see. though he was a fourth round pick, he was actually the first, their first pick. So he, he was, was the time they picked, he was the top guy on the draft. He was, <laughs> that, that's a very good point. Very good point. Um, so moving on to kind of stuff going on within the Colorado avalanche and one of my absolute favorite writers for their team, uh, Ryan Clark writes for the athletic, uh, just as spectacular work. And I, I, if you follow the avalanche and you follow Twitter, he, he posts all the time on Twitter, uh, but he's moving back to his hometown of Seattle where he moved from to take the uh, uh, avalanche job. And now with the Kraken coming back, people kind of had been thinking like he, he might leave. And he said last week that, he is he he doesn't want to well he wants to i shouldn't say that but he, you know he said he struggled with the decision and it's just too too much of a pull on him to go back to seattle so that's what he's doing going to miss his writing immensely but you kind of emailed me and have seen some things in some message boards going around cuz ryan clark is a person of color so you know and and which you know you, you we said it multiple times. Hockey is a predominantly white sport for people that are playing and you know, and that carries over into the people who write about the sport as well. So um, him moving back to Seattle is, is a blow on many 
different levels. But you had said that you had seen in some message boards some things that people were posting about him, which kind of shocked me. So, so walk me through that. What, what have you been seeing? Yeah, I mean, so I'd seen this before. Um, there's one particular online community. Um, that, I mean, you know, most hockey fans have probably heard of it. Um, and, you know, it's kind of a good test case for like toxic hockey. If you want to find out what's <laughs> toxic in hockey, you can kind of right. head over there. But um, I had seen comments that, you know, Ryan Clark probably didn't like hockey before 2018, which is when he was hired by the athletic to cover the avalanche. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the athletic, when they expanded to Denver in 2018, they went and hired a bunch of people from the Denver post to cover the Broncos nuggets and Rockies. I think they hired um, like a lot of the Denver post writers, but for the avalanche, they happened to hire Ryan Clark and so I had seen that comment before, and then um, there was an ongoing discussion in this community about Ryan Clark leaving. And I saw a lot of commentary about how Ryan Clark hasn't watched hockey before, like, 2018, before he was hired to cover hockey. Right. Uh, which is just ridiculous. I mean, you know, this is obviously a major like sports media organization and oh yeah you know the, the people they hired you know nikki jabvala and nick cosmiter i know from the denver post who are you know very reputable writers and obviously they hired ryan clark who developed a great reputation when he was doing the job right um, so they made the right choice yeah clearly and like where does this idea come from i mean that like why are they making this assumption that ryan clark has not watched or was not familiar with the sport of hockey before he was hired to cover hockey well that's my question that's yeah how do you know that the the viewing habits of somebody that you've never uh met in your life probably exactly so Um, so i mean it it, and and if he it it really shouldn't matter if it (laughs) He's he's watched hockey. All right. Let, let's just get that out of the way. Well, he said on multiple occasions that it was his dream to cover the NHL. So yeah. You know, when he his avalanche dropped, he was fulfilling his his dream. Right. So obviously he's familiar with the sport. Obviously right. he wanted to cover the sport. And uh yeah, I mean it just seems to me like a, an example of the gatekeeping, which you know, is kind of central to like toxic hockey culture. Right. And, and I mean, if, it's if, not just about, you know, racism or sexism, although that enters into it, but when, you know, when people are new to the sports and they make an assumption that this person doesn't know the difference between the blue line and the red line or whatever, I mean, I guess there's no more red line. Right. But, right. right. Um, so, I mean, my, my question what, is though, like what, like if he, if that if that were true that he never watched a hockey game then he covered it pretty damn well for somebody that never exactly. watched a hockey game in his life so why does it matter like all that should matter is what he puts out and what he puts out is great stuff why because he knows the sport and this will always go back to the question of if this was a, a white guy leaving would that even be brought up 
that he's never watched no. the sport. Not at all. There's, yeah, there's no way. That it would, if it was a, a young white male who this was his first major job, that would, this issue would not be raised. There's only one reason why that issue is being raised in these conversations. Yeah. And it's a pretty good example of some of the issues, you know, within the hockey community. Right. I mean, if you're, if you're a, a sports writer, yeah, there are uh, dream jobs that you, you want. You might not always get those in the beginning. Like, yeah, if you want to write for hockey, <clears throat> you might have to go cover football in a city of a team that you don't really like. I always think of Mike Greenberg um, on ESPN, who is, is, is vocally a uh, Jets fan. And he still admits that he is a Jets fan, believe it or not. But um, <clears throat> when he got out of college, he covered the Chicago Bulls because it was a job. You know, I think the misconception is like people cover their favorite teams. That's not true. You know what I mean? So um, and I think for Ryan Clark, it was like, I want to cover hockey. The athletic came calling and said, you know, do you want to co cover the avalanche? And maybe they're not his favorite team, but it doesn't matter. Like you don't have to cover your favorite team when it comes to sports journalism. That's the goal, but it doesn't happen. You got to pay bills. So you learn to like that team. It's just like when a player gets traded, you know, that's maybe not where he wants to go, but he's, he's got to play out his contract. So, um, and, and now he's getting his probably dream job and going back home and playing for Seattle. So he's put in his dues and now he's reaping the rewards from doing that. And now we want to rag on him for never watching hockey. It just doesn't add up to me. Yeah. And I, you know, for the most part, I think, you know, in the Avs community, people do really like Ryan Clark and like the, when he announced he was leaving, most people were sad and there was a yeah. lot of love given to him, but this is something that, you know, I noticed in this particular community and yeah, it, it was frustrating to see. Yeah, definitely. So, but still wish him well. Um, oh, definitely. And, and, and because of him, I, I might have some interest in the Seattle Kraken just because I want to uh, read more of his stuff. He's so in-depth and he will definitely be missed. Whoever's going to take his place, I mean, that's like, you know, re, you know, whoever's playing quarterback for the Broncos after John Elway. Like you, you have a lot to live up to for Ryan Clark. So I hope the athletic does what they did when they hired Ryan Clark and hire like a, a young, fresh, probably be diverse. You know, I, I think it'd be great if they like, you know, if, if they hired like a woman or, you know, another person of color, that would be great. I'm not yeah. saying that they have to, right, that would right. be my, person. at least, you know, go with the same mentality. Well, one sure. thing, another thing that I found frustrating in that conversation um, was uh, there was another hockey writer um, who's been around for a while. Uh, mm -hmm. He was fired from the Denver Post for making a racist comment, a blatantly racist comment. And, you know, several of these people suggested that he would be a good replacement. I'm pretty sure the athletic won't do that. Right. But <laughs> so nevertheless, we, we shall just, see. Like, <clears throat> You know, the same um, people were thinking that Ryan Clark hasn't watched hockey in 2018. Want this yeah. guy to be hired? Not, not surprising. But. Exactly. Um, and then you know, it, it, 
couple weeks ago, we had our NHL draft and the, the number two overall pick Quinton Byfield going to the Los Angeles Kings. So the highest, yeah. uh, um, the, the highest selection of uh, a future black NHL player uh, at number two. So there's only yeah. one person that's going to be able to beat him whenever that may be uh, right. at, at number one. And it could have been uh, the avalanche when they picked Nathan McKinnon, uh, they were going between him and Seth Jones. So uh, yeah. they, they obviously ended up with McKinnon. And uh, so Jones, I think, went Probably the right call. Yeah, well, yeah, you can't. Yeah, right. You can't you're right. Um, they would have been going to either, either way. Jo- Jones is a great player. So I think Jones yeah, went Jones is fifth. Really I think he went fifth overall. So. Lived up to the height. Yeah. So and, and I absolutely love Quentin Byfield. But um, yeah, what were your thoughts on that when he was uh, taken number two overall? Uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, I, you know, hopefully he becomes a star and starts to change the perception of the league. And that's kind of one of the things that's going to have to happen is that, you know, there's going to have to be some genuine superstars who come along. And, and there's been a few. I mean, you know, Seth Jones is – I mean, he's not really a superstar, but he's a very solid player. He's, a, oh, he's, he's good, yeah. Really a whole lot of recognition, but like uh, – P.K. Subban. Um, mm-hmm. I guess Gerald McGinley is probably the biggest uh, black star that there's been in the NHL. Yeah, really. Probably, yeah. I'd agree but, with that. Uh, but, you know, this guy, he's in a big media market in Los Angeles. I noticed that a lot of the uh, other Los Angeles um, sports teams were sending him messages, welcoming him. So, um, yeah. you know, they're kind of grooming him to become a star. Um, and hopefully there's not going to be any double standards with him. Like if he, you know, if it takes him a few years to get going, you know, people aren't going to be turning on him. Right. Right. That's certainly a possibility. I mean, it tends to happen, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, hopefully he's going to have a great career and he's, you know, and he helps change this perception of hockey as a, as a white I agree. Yeah, I'm looking forward to his career. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so let's get into some Avalanche stuff. So I, I had talked in the opening segment quickly about Devin Taves getting signed. Uh, you know, just you, you had taken a break from the Avalanche stuff. I mean, was it a complete break? Or did you really like did, were, you, were, you, were, were you still listening to kind of what was going on and and how good of an offseason they've had up to up until this? Oh, point? Yeah, yeah. Like once the offseason started, I like so I didn't follow, I didn't watch any hockey in the Western, in the conference finals, or yeah. I didn't watch, uh, I started, I watched like maybe the last five minutes of game six of the Stanley Cup final. Okay. <laughs> I was ready to watch Dallas get eliminated, but. Sure. Um, but yeah, once the offseason stuff came along, I started, definitely started paying attention and I'm. I'm pretty hyped about uh, what Sackick is doing. Um, you know, everybody was looking for him to make some big free agent signings, but you know, it's not really it's not his thing. Style. Like, yeah. yeah. And um, man, like getting sod for the Zadorov was a great move. Now, are you as were you a Zadorov fan, or were you okay him going? Uh, I liked him. I mean, you know, but I don't think he was a good fit for the team. Right. I mean, obviously, 
uh, Bednar had been like very frustrated with him, and you know, I mean, it, the writing was on the wall. Sure. That he was probably not going to be on the team for very long. So being able to get like a player like Saad for him was, was great. And then, you know, the Devin Taves deal, like I'm glad that they got him signed today so we can finally like completely assess it. But yeah. yeah. And and that, that's what I talked about in the opening was just another move made by Joe Sackick that avoids arbitration uh and that's just it seems to be his mo is to be able to get deals done for guys yeah. um i mean in this case getting to arbitration would have been a kind of a big loss because my understanding is because he's going to be ufa eligible next year if they had gone to arbitration they would have just awarded the number and it would have been a one-year contract there's like no other option there right so they would have gotten taves for one year and then he would have been the ufa next year so the deal essentially would have become like a one-year rental so the fact that they were able to buy three ufa years in this contract and it's still like a reasonable amount there's no no trade clauses um if they need to move around some contracts down the road you know yeah, this is well, definitely not going to be a contract that's going to be difficult for them to move. Hopefully, that's not going to be the issue. But you know, obviously, when Max new contract oh, yeah. is up, it might need to do a little bit of juggling. Yeah, and, I mean, it's it's it, it's it's surprising. Uh, I I was a little bit surprised I gave him four years because, you know, I, I didn't know if maybe like you were saying it maybe it would just be a rental. Um, but you know now now that giving up those two second round picks looks even better now because they they have them locked up for four years. It's not just you gave up two pit you take two future second round picks for one year in this guy. You got him for four years. So what does this say about guys like you know uh, Bone Byram and Connor Timmons and you know so that they're waiting. They still, you know, they're they're insanely young, so it's not like you you are concerned for for that aspect. But I, I just and I haven't gone over now that they have this roster pretty much set. I really haven't gone in and looked at uh, what the options could be for the Kraken draft. But you know, before with you know Zadorov being on the team and Graves playing the way he did it'll be really interesting to see which avenue they go down with who they're going to protect now on the defensive end now with, with Taves in the mix for long-term because that's a pretty good deal he's got right now. And I think if he was not to be protected, I think Seattle would scoop him up. And they've got to protect him. I think, I think they have to protect Taves. Um, And I think, um, I think they're going to have to try to get uh, Eric Johnson to waive his, um, no movement clause for the expansion draft, mm-hmm. um, you know, because right now, if he chooses not to, ostensibly he could be locked into a protection spot. Um, but, you know, even though this would be a tough decision, if I were Joe Sackick, I would just tell EJ, hey, look, you know, and, and his no movement clause, I believe that like he has to he he has to give them a list of nineteen teams right. that he 
is willing to be traded to. So it's not, it's not like that restrictive, but what I'd say is like, look, we, we need to protect these other guys. This is the situation. There's an expansion draft. We'd like you to wait for this. We don't, you know, we think that Seattle might be interested in some younger players, so they may right. not pick them, and then you'd still be on the team. But if uh, you're not willing to waive, we might, you know, need to look at moving you or buying you out or something. Because, right. um, right. yeah, I just don't think that, like, they can afford to have EJ taking up a protection spot there. Yeah, that would, that, that would definitely lighten up uh, some things if he were to agree to be unprotected. Definitely would. Yeah, and uh, with Byram, it's an interesting situation. I'm very curious how they're going to handle it because they, like, Byram, I don't know how things are going to play out with the pandemic and how, like, all the other, the minor leagues and stuff like that, if they're going to play and if they're going to come up with any different rules. But assuming that everything's relatively similar to how they would be under normal circumstances, they can't send Byram to the AHL. So they're either going to send him back to the WHL or perhaps loan him to Europe, or he'd have to be on the team. And I don't know if sending him to the WHL is going to do anything for his development. He's already dominated in the WHL for two yeah, seasons. Right. What is he going to do like in the WHL for another season? Right. So, and Likely with the uh, the way that the regular season is going to play out, we don't know yet, but there's probably going to be like a compressed season where they're playing a lot of games in a, you know, it's like a lot of like back-to-backs and three games and four nights, that sort of thing, because yeah. they have to try to squeeze as many games into a small window as possible. Sure. So well, I think, I think I the interview like- I think the interesting one to watch on the defensive end is Ian Cole because after this upcoming season, he's unrestricted. So I think they probably move on from him because he, you know, he's going to, that's a lot of money that you can keep. He will be 32 then. Uh, So I think, you know, that'll probably be his last year. I would have to imagine. And then. Yeah. He's probably gone after this year. My thought was that because of the compressed schedule, they may actually it may actually be an advantage to to have this like eight man deep defensive core with Timmins and Byram in there. Timmins at least could be sent back to the AHL. Right. But you know, like I think they should have maybe Cole as a seventh defenseman and keep Byram on the roster. Uh, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be you know maintenance days for some of the players. So sure. Cole will get in there. Um, and, you know, he's obviously like a good NHL defenseman, probably too good to be um, sitting, but sometimes you got to make some tough calls. And I feel like that would probably be best decision for the abs to make just to yeah. make Cole the seventh defenseman and have a uh, Byram in the rotation. It could be. That definitely could happen. So uh, I don't know. We just have to wait and see. And first of all, we just need clarity on, on when this next season is starting. So 
Uh, I think Probably the NBA is going to try and start on December 21st. Which I is... heard. That's what I heard. That that's, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to influence what the NHL does. Um, no, I, I mean, I, it's going to be hard to get fans into the stands for a little bit. But... Yes. Yes. That that's, I mean, I think right now they want to just figure out how they're going to get this season started, get a schedule lined up and then kind of just see how it goes. And if they can start introducing fans in some capacity, they will, but it's not going to be in the very beginning because we're going to be in the middle of, you know, the cold season and, you know, who knows where this virus is going to be headed in the next couple months. So, um, who knows where the world's going to be. (laughs) You nailed that one, man. So, um, all right, man. So I, I kind of weird to think about the future of sports when we don't know what's going to happen with the world. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, um, all right. Yeah. I, I appreciate you coming on. And like we said last time, we're going to keep on this discussion because it, it needs to happen all the time. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll have you on in another couple months or so and see if we got any updates and some, some good news. I mean, we had some good news today. It wasn't all just doom and gloom what's going on, but, uh, I quit yeah. Byfield's good news. And- right. Right. And, and Ryan Clark stuff is good news. Ryan Clark is good. Ryan Clark. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going back to his hometown. Absolutely. You're always going to have those people that want to make comments so they, they can live in their own little world. Yeah, and, and, I, you know, it, that's a minority. It was just a minority. Right. Oh, I bet. Right. 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 Group of people who I, I saw make that comment, but it was yeah. worth commenting on. Absolutely. Stuff. Absolutely. So, all right, man, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and like I said, we'll have you on again sometime soon. Yeah, sounds good, man. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. And uh, once again, thank you so much to Hadi for coming on and uh, talking about some very important stuff. So definitely going to have him on again and keep the conversation going because the conversation should never end. So I appreciate him coming on. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for today, everybody. Thank you. Once again, for tuning in, sorry, this one's a little bit long, but um, yeah, kind of had some important stuff to talk about. So yeah, appreciate you guys tuning in each and every day. Uh, Leave some feedback on wherever you listen. It's on iTunes or wherever you can leave feedback. Definitely helps. It's greatly appreciated. Definitely check out Locked On NHL for anything going on around the league. And uh, that's going to do it. So we will get to the Miko Rantanero. Promise. And uh, the next poll will be up tomorrow as well. So check out Twitter, LOPN underscore Avalanche. That'll be it today. Tune in tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Here's Jovi. Go, Abs, go!